There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Only you can keep the Daily Tech News Show independent. To find out more, go to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Tuesday, May 22nd, 2018. Tom Merritt is out this week from Studio Feline. I'm Sarah Lane. And from the Finnish headquarters in Finland, I'm Patrick Veja. You're like, hmm, if anything looks any different uh, for those on video, I've been working on my studio all weekend. So good updates to come on that. Uh, Producer Roger Chang, I don't know if you've done any uh, updating on your studio setup, but no. I changed the sheets this weekend. That's important. It's always important. No one wants to sleep in leftover whatever that you you should just go on with the show before it gets very... Awkward. Too graphic. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. Let's talk about some uh, tech things you should know. Sources tell the Wall Street Journal and Reuters that the U.S. may strike a deal to lift its ban on U.S. firms supplying parts to ZTE. As you probably recall, ZTE was given a seven-year ban back in April, which hampered its operations in a big way. As part of the deal, China could remove tariffs on imported U.S. agricultural products and agree to buy more American farm goods. I'm not sure I understand what's happening there, but... um, A trade deal, perhaps. hmm, Maybe. Maybe it was a very smart, clever move. Um, Maybe. Microsoft and Google disclosed a new CPU security vulnerability. They keep coming, it seems. Similar to Meltdown and Spectre, it's called Speculative Store Bypass variant 4 and affects modern CPUs. Intel has started rolling out updates to OEMs with broader availability in the coming weeks. And something that Patrick was watching earlier today, Mark Zuckerberg appeared before the European Parliament today. Members of the Parliament asked the CEO pointed questions about regulation, competition, taxes, security, uh, disinformation, and privacy, and so on. The format of the hearing allowed Zuckerberg only a few minutes to answer a lot of questions. 
And they asked them uh, in a row, and he answered everything at the end. So it felt a little bit disjointed. I wasn't. I thought there were some interesting parts of the U.S. hearing, and I think some of the questions and some of the uh, representatives were pretty well versed in the important parts of the business. I didn't quite feel that way with the EU one. I was a little bit disappointed, a, a lot disappointed. I might have wanted to flip my table at some point or hit people with fish and stuff. Um, Well, you know, now you know how Patrick feels. Let's talk a little (laughs) bit more about Instagram. Instagram added a mute feature so you can stop seeing photos in your feed. Let's say somebody's annoying or otherwise you don't want to see their photos, but you don't have to unfollow the user. Instagram said that it added the feature to make you feel more personalized, blah, blah, blah. We've also heard it may be a useful tool for managing complex social dynamics, a rep told BuzzFeed. (laughs) I I would say so, probably with Instagram. Uh, So after you mute somebody in the feed, you can still see their DMs, you can DM each other, and you can still look at their photos if you go directly to their profile page. Not unlike what I do with TweetBot. Hmm. Well, I think you can. Can you mute people on Twitter? Wait, I thought you could. No, I guess you can. Well, see, I don't use the actual any Twitter client. I use TweetBot. Um, mm. And I believe you're right. I believe yeah, Twitter yeah. No, uh, I just now yep. offers that. And Facebook also offers something similar where you can unfollow somebody, but you're still friends. So there's no kind of, mm. you know, a rift between people. It's kind of, uh, I mean, we say that every time one of these apps adds one of the features that the other ones have, but really Instagram is turning into a a genuine, real social network, it feels like not just, it's not just about sharing pictures anymore, even though that's obviously the primary uh, way of doing it. But muting someone, do you really mute someone if you don't want, I guess you don't want to see their pictures, but... Maybe well, you mute them if you don't want to see babies. their pictures, but you don't want to be rude, right? It's some sort of yeah. passive-aggressive, like, half solution. <laughs> the thing about Instagram that I've always, I don't know, I, I, I know you can figure out who's following you if you're, like, scrolling through, you know, who follows you and, and who other people follow. But that's a cumbersome process, especially if yeah. you're, you know, above, like, a couple hundred people. So I've never, I don't know, I mean, maybe a lot of people are getting really bent out of shape about being unfollowed on Instagram. Oh, it's possible. Yeah. And but then you have to act like you know what they posted. Like if they speak to you, they're like, oh, hey, you know that picture I posted last last week? And you say, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." That picture with the things in the photo. Absolutely. See, see, I always just say, oh, no, the new algorithm. I don't see anybody anymore. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, Comcast announced its own Wi-Fi extender devices called XFi pods that help boost Wi-Fi signals throughout the home. Comcast licensed the technology from mesh router maker Plume, which Comcast invested in last year, and then built its own hardware. Plume's pods were initially available in limited markets, including Boston, Chicago, and Denver. Today, on Plume's website, a pack of six is $329, but Comcast's pack of six is $199. How Amazon of them, huh? I mean, so Comcast invests in Plume, uh, licenses technology, kind of, you know, does a little stuff on their on their end and now undercuts Plume by quite a big margin. Is that, you think, something they didn't discuss with Plume? I don't know. What I do know is that uh, people say that uh, if you're in, you know, especially if you're in a house where there's 
I don't know, you have uh, multiple floors or it's very wide, you know, you might have Wi-Fi issues. And the idea behind these pods are to plug in a bunch of them in little electrical outlets throughout the home so that you have a very short distance of better Wi-Fi. I love that. It's it's a clever approach to mesh networking. You don't have like two or three big satellites. You have a bunch of tiny little things that you plug into the the, the socket. It's it's pretty clever. I wonder if you can use Comcast's uh, XFi even if you're not on Comcast. I guess you can, but then it, it's a really interesting solution for a good price, I suppose. What? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I know that Plume hardware and Comcast uh, uh, internet software work in tandem, but it sounds like Comcast is like, well, you know, we'll just make our own and maybe yeah, we'll, can, you know. Can you go at, at a Comcast store website and buy a six pack and then use it for your own network? I guess you, maybe you can. I don't know. That's a interesting question. <laughs> we will follow up tomorrow. <laughs> Speaking of Comcast, this is actually some bad news for Comcast. Kind of terrible news, actually. A bug in Comcast website, a specific website used to activate Xfinity routers, can be tricked into displaying the home address where the router is located, also the mm. Wi-Fi name, and also the Wi-Fi password. The researchers who discovered the bug said only a customer ID and the customer's house or apartment number is needed. That could be something you could find in a discarded bill or in an email. Comcast has removed the option from its website for now. Well, it's it went well. They were aware of the they were made aware of the issue. They removed it. That's how it should work, right? Well, but I mean, isn't it sort of well, you know, it's a it was a website specifically dedicated to activate activate routers, right? And now somebody who was if they wanted to or so inclined and you know, good enough of a sneak could get a lot of information about where you live. Your Wi-Fi password? I mean, those that's, you know, that's... I know, I know. But I mean, you know, anytime I see one of those stories and I see people getting bent out of shape because someone obviously made a dumb mistake when coding the website, I tend to think, sure, it's silly. It shouldn't have happened. But when... Who has never made one mistake like this? You know, when in your work and most of the time you you kind of no one notices or like, oh, OK, well, never mind. I'll fix it. I fixed it and, and it's fine. But, but oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I, I just wanted to jump in here. I think part of the the issue is that considering all the customer data breaches, you would imagine, especially a company that as one of its core business models is to sell internet uh, connection service should be a little more cognizant and a little more careful about things like websites that aren't secure or perhaps leaking customer information. And, and well, the, it, it's well, the, the thing is, it, you're, you're right. It's it's not necessarily like the worst thing to happen, but it could definitely, you know, well, if, if you know anything about Comcast, it generally has a, a pretty high unfavorability rating in certain regions of the country. Mm. Um, it already get, adds a negative uh, a, a perception to the company that, hey, if you can't take care of the small stuff, granted, it's it's not major like your social security number or credit card number, uh, but it is, you know, it is part and parcel of your home, your, your router password, you know, your router ID. Um, 
I think no, I, I, I mean, I understand, but I'm, I'm not saying, oh, it's fine. No, uh, you know, uh, it's it's not a, a, a problem at all. I'm just saying if you I, I, I'm guessing they do worry about these things. They do, especially with the data breaches that have been happening in the recent months and the focus that has been on them. I'm pretty sure they they I'm hoping they went and, and tried to make sure everything was in order. And this must have slipped through the cracks. Sometimes things slip through the cracks. And I'm just saying, you know, he who has never made a mistake, throw the first stone. I don't think a lot of stone would be thrown in the world. But Well, sure. I mean, yeah, of course, Comcast didn't do this on purpose. But if somebody's like right outside my house and they know where I live and they can get my signal because they have my information, I mean, at the very least, even if they weren't stealing anything besides that, Mm -hmm. don't steal my Wi-Fi. (laughs) <laughs> it's just a lot of ifs and roger seems unsatisfied i can I, see I i have a personal I, full disclosure i have a personal beef with comcast because i used to use them as my broadband provider exactly. we'll not go into a long story but we have history <laughs> understandable all right epic games announced it will put up a hundred million dollars of prize money for the 2018-2019 season of fortnite competitions the same blog in the same blog post uh, on epic Games site adds we're getting behind competitive play in a big way but our approach will be different we plan to be more inclusive and focus on the joy of playing and watching the game stay tuned for more details about competitive structures and eligible platforms in the weeks ahead. Hundred million dollars. My goodness. I mean, who wouldn't have fun if that was Golly gee, <laughs> yeah, I know. You're gonna get out at the end of it. Wow. So Patrick, how much have you played Fortnite? What is your opinion on its extreme popularity? Um, it's a good game. I've played a little bit. I haven't played a lot. It's a good game that benefited from mostly from the fact that it was free to play, available on all platforms, and incredible popularity with uh, the kids. If you don't know what Fortnite is, ask your 10-year-old. They will know, believe me. Um, That is all they can think about all day. Um, We might actually do something in talking about this in in a little bit. More details for DTNS Lab stuff, possibly. Um, But yeah, Fortnite is is very, very popular. It's a good game. excellently crafted and this hundred million it's not unheard of these kinds of numbers have been seen in some other games uh but it's certainly up there and and especially for a game that really just blew up now it blew up maybe six months ago and uh, a little bit more um and already they're they're putting up a hundred million this makes you wonder how much they're making every day if that kind of money is something they can throw around for competitions. Well, if memory serves, we talked about Fortnite after it came to iOS, raking in something like $50 million in, in, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. In a couple, yeah, the first couple of weeks, and it's coming to Android uh, uh, the summer. So <laughs> clearly they're making a lot of money. It's very, mm-hmm. very popular. I would love to know what competitive gaming and being inclusive and focusing on the joy of playing is different than other competitive gaming structures we've <laughs> seen before. Yeah, that's an that. interesting. Uh, it's an interesting choice of of words. Uh, I'm very curious as well. The thing is, for most uh, esports, you have a clear. Uh, narrative that can develop uh, and that is easy to watch or relatively easy to watch. You have, you know, two teams, one against another, two players, one against another. Um, The games are relatively uh, understandable. Blue has to kill uh, uh, um, 
red, etc., etc. In Fortnite, the Battle Royale game mode is 100 players get dropped in, and then the last survivor wins. And in order to make that into an esport, it's a little bit more challenging. Like, where do you get, like, do you get 100 people in the arena, in a sports arena, and film them? And do you follow one player on camera for the people who are viewing? But then that player dies after 20 minutes, and you don't know what the, the other ones have been doing and how they've been progressing it's it's a little bit complicated so so i'm guessing it might have to do with that like let's focus on the joy of playing meaning we're going to be watching everyone it's not going to be necessarily like the last person wins yes that's going to be important but not the only focus epic games this will be fun this will be Mm -hmm. fun 100 million i mean that is some of the biggest prize money i've ever heard of yeah i think dota did a little bit more but dota too but yeah yeah. Usually Amazon. Well. Sorry. No, I was just saying usually it's well under 100 million. Like a few dozen millions is already a huge amount. Yeah, exactly. Amazon is providing facial recognition technology to law enforcement in both Oregon and Orlando, Florida, according to documents obtained by the ACLU through a Freedom of Information Act request. Amazon's said to be advertising and selling this product. It's called recognition, recognition with a K, to law enforcement agencies for a very low price. The ACLU and several civil rights organizations have submitted an open letter to Amazon asking the company to stop arguing that mass surveillance could disproportionately affect vulnerable communities. Hmm. I wonder what's in it for Amazon. I mean, (sighs) playing nice with the government, getting data from the, 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 the things they're, uh, facial recognitioning. Um, not I sure. mean, that's a, it it's like a good a question, movie. Patrick, really, because it's like, okay, well, there's technology. Amazon, you know, if you're offering it at a low price to certain organizations that are finding it valuable and you want it to, you know, scale, okay, understood. But specifically law enforcement is slightly odd. They might want to use it as kind of a test bed to develop the face recognition software further so you remember the scene from um uh, uh what was the movie with tom cruise pre-crime uh, oh, uh, uh minority report minor- minority yes. report there's a point where he's walking through and he has someone else's sur- eyes surgically implanted and he starts getting all these customized ads targeted as he walks by these electronic billboards they could want to do something like that or they could have a drone delivery service that can drop things directly to you. Like, oh, I ordered a sandwich. My, you know, I'm Sarah Lane. I will be sitting on the on the front of you know my building. <laughs> you sit there, this drone spots you, right. and just hands you. You know, I mean, it, it's it's not that far off. Um, you know, I mean, th- there's a couple of stories here. One is kind of the intersection between the desire to have law enforcement with these body cams as a way to kind of uh, have a check on uh, their you know, their, their behavior, right? Like, you know, you just can't go willy nilly do things without us knowing about it. On the other hand, it also opens up and widens the divide because 
typically uh, 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 underserved or marginalized communities are, are more likely to interface with police in the same way that I'm not, it's probably not a thing in Europe and the U S it's kind of big five, six years ago, there was a lot of complaints about some communities setting up basically sound sensors in their neighborhood. So they could triangulate where gunshots were coming from. Right. So they could determine, Oh, you know, instead of just saying, I heard a gunshot in the neighborhood, they knew where it came from and the police could have additional information, but a lot of civil liberties organizations, including the ACLU, said that that was a violation of privacy by having all that information. I think we're coming to a point, and it just just goes beyond, but a general discussion with technology is we're coming to the point where technology can do all these things that invade our privacy, but also offer benefit to the public. Where do those lines get crossed? Where are those boundaries between what's for the public good versus the individual right? And I think we're probably going to see more of these issues crop up over time as a lot of this tech, technology uh, uh, matures into something that a lot of companies can use in a, in a commercial uh, basis. Nothing to add. Absolutely. <laughs> that was very good, Roger. <laughs> no, it's true. It's, it's, um, it's a proof of concept in law enforcement is obviously very important. It's obviously, you know, if, if it works quite well, then Amazon can feel confident that facial recognition is is good in its technology. However, you're right. There are a lot of other use cases for this. Just slightly curious that this is how it's uh, coming to light. To get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes or less, subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. All right. Patrick and Roger, the PS4 is supposedly in its final phase of its life cycle. So what do we think about the fact that, all right, let's, let's give it a little background. So an investor relations call, a Sony Interactive Entertainment President and CEO, John Tushioki Kodera, thank you, said that the PS4 was entering its final phase of its life cycle. A Wall Street Journal tech reporter tweeted that Kodera also told analysts and investors that the period until March 2021 would be when PlayStation is to crouch down once to grow further in the future. Well, I mean, you know, reading the tea leaves here, it sounds like the PlayStation 4 is a wildly successful console. So why would they be winding it down if they could still sell a lot of units? Well, the thing is, they probably can sell a few more units. I mean, they're almost at 80 million right now. Um, I mean... You, first of all, you have to wonder if that choice of word was absolutely deliberate, which it probably was, but there's a tiny chance it, it wasn't uh, inten- intended to be scrutinized that heavily. It right. seems unlikely because they would know that people are going to be listening to the call and interpreting everything, but still, there's a possibility there. Um, the thing is, every console uh, generation has a life cycle. And when he says entering the, uh, what's the exact wording, uh, entering the final phase of its life cycle, it could be the third phase that is going to take, you know, three or four years. The console has been out for five, so it wouldn't be unlikely that it would still have a good uh, uh, chunk of time in it, but it's still not in it, you know, it's not in its prime. It's getting to a point where better technology is coming out and you could probably uh, make a better console for a cheap enough price that people would buy it uh, again. Um, it's, it's, you know, there used to be, when this console generation launched uh, in 2013, roughly, people, some people were predicting that it wouldn't 
work out that uh, people didn't want dedicated game consoles in the home and that mobile was it now and that uh, consoles were going away and so this one was probably going to be fledgling and it would not see a, a sequel kind of a follow-up with other consoles i don't think that has uh, uh, panned out like that. Uh, the consoles are quite successful. Of course, the PlayStation 4 more than the Xbox One. And I I think the, the teachings of this is that uh, gamers are willing to buy a game-dedicated uh, machine uh, if it's good enough. And I don't think that Sony is going to abandon that and all of a sudden um, not put, put out another console or stop the general life cycle of consoles. When he says uh, PlayStation, it's kind of cryptic, right? Until March 2021 would be when PlayStation uh, PlayStation to crouch down once to grow further in the future. <laughs> well, so um, you think that there's a PlayStation 5 console in the absolutely. works rather than it just going to some software subscription model and and getting rid of hardware altogether. I mean, it's that is still in the works as well. They have the PlayStation Now service, and there could be other ways of, of doing that. Um, but it's pretty clear, and we have rumors about dev kits uh, going to developers for PlayStation 5. So it is happening. Now, maybe the nature of the device will be different, and so it will be something a little bit unexpected. But there will be a new uh, uh, box to buy for gamers in probably a couple of years, something like that. Um, because remember, even when the PlayStation 5 comes out, it doesn't mean the PlayStation 4 isn't going to keep selling for a little while at least. Right, um, right. And so the, the thing that we mostly expect is that uh, both manufacturers uh, switched to a PC-like ar architecture uh, for this generation, uh, Xbox One and PlayStation 4 is PC-like. So it will be very easy to make the next device backwards compatible. Uh, actually, Microsoft did this with the Xbox One X. It's backwards and forward compatible, just like the PlayStation 4 Pro. Microsoft is kind of committing, uh, you know, implying that it will be the, the same uh, model going forward. Sony hasn't said anything like that. So what I would expect is a PlayStation 5 to be backwards compatible, but in the traditional way, uh, games uh, the, the games that would come out for PlayStation 5 couldn't be played on PlayStation 4. And that would push people, of course, to buy the PlayStation 5. And uh, an interesting twist is that I'm not sure how Microsoft would respond to this because they just released the PlayStation the, the the Xbox One X last year. And if Sony comes out with the PlayStation uh, 5 or announces it, let's say in 2019 and comes out in 2020, it would be strange for Microsoft to then come out with another console again. It's too close to the Xbox One X for it to um to to be not uh, unwelcome by by gamers so it seems that in that chess game sony might be getting a, a, a couple of moves ahead already interesting so is there any benefit to uh um there was a great uh write-up in cnet about the idea of if playstation were go were to forego hardware and go subscription only is there I... any benefit to you or do you not like this idea um, it's 
still a little bit complicated to put in in place because uh, subscription could mean would probably mean video streaming, and it's mm-hmm. the the target for this is still too small because uh, connections aren't fast enough for most people. I don't see that happening. That is the kind of thing that you were hearing about at the beginning of this generation, and I think it hasn't panned out. We never know, but I don't think that's what the comments of John Codera uh, meant. It's it's kind of a little bit of tech reporters' wishful thinking. It's people who know tech and don't know gaming as much, I think. I don't mean to uh, <laughs> discount the opinion of the, the person who wrote this at CNET, but it's like people who were saying, oh, everyone's going to be playing on mobile, so game consoles don't have a future. Uh, no, not really. People who knew gaming didn't think like that. Yeah, hard to predict the future um, on mm-hmm. this. But again, you know, a lot of differing opinions. And... Also, thanks to your opinion, by the way, we love our subreddit. Submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. It's the first thing I look at every morning. And facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow is where you can hang out with us on Facebook. We got an email, and Patrick, you were not on the show last week, but we talked to Scott Johnson about the idea of exam cheating in the modern age and all of the ways that students could have a smartwatch, maybe that you know was giving them cheating notes and, and all the other options that weren't previously available to the rest of us. Pete wrote in with some thoughts on how the concept of cheating as being a bad thing doesn't necessarily help us later in life. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but Pete says, (laughs) what makes us valuable to others is knowing enough to be able to find the information quickly when we can. It's our belief, though, that knowing the details on a few topics is not as useful as understanding the basic concepts on many topics. With access to information all the time, we should be testing students more on their ability to quickly provide a quality answer with modern tools they have than their ability to memorize details, which are often forgotten. The only time I find myself wishing I knew more details on a few topics rather than understanding more topics, but not the details, is during interviews. Which means there is some value to at least knowing uh, the things you, you you're talking about in detail. Um, but yeah, certainly that is something that has been changing with the advent of the internet. Now, any piece of information is available um, at, at uh, uh, very easily. I remember, um, most listeners are old enough to remember this, but I remember when uh, a, a time when, when you didn't know something, well, that was it. You just didn't know. You had, uh, you know, you maybe you had an encyclopedia if you were rich enough and you could go look it up or you had to go to the library. But during that evening, you couldn't pull out your phone and think. So, yes, obviously, that's that's very important. That's a change that we need to take into account. Yeah. And think, it, however, it's, keep going, keep going. No, I, I do think, however, it's also important to understand these things. And, and the line is difficult to to trace between I don't need to know anything and and because I can find it. And at that point, you actually don't understand anything. So well, it's sort of like for a long time, I didn't use GPS because I was of the mind that like I should study a map. I should know where I'm going. Where's <laughs> north? Like that was very important to me. You know, like I don't want help. You know, that's cheating. But it's been a really long time since I've not had GPS available in my car. So it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's like I could memorize all of this. But if I can always access it easily, then the memorization makes less sense, especially for younger students. 
Well, I agree. Uh, first, people who think like that will survive uh, during the <laughs> oncoming apocalypse. So good on them. And and <laughs> and second, um, oh damn, I had a great point to make, but I forgot. So never mind. Well, you know, maps and memorization and all that good stuff. Yeah, uh, exactly. you can t- you can tell us next week uh, when you're back on the show, <laughs> Patrick Beja. Thank you so much for being with us on Tuesdays, even though it's very late where you are, you are, you are always with us and we appreciate it. Yeah. Patrick, what has been going on with you and where can folks find what's been uh, the latest? Uh, well, you can go to frenchspin.com or follow me on uh, Twitter. I'm not Patrick there on Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, just, you know, uh, E3 is coming up. It's going to be the big fiesta for gamers where everything new gets announced. So you could uh, subscribe to Pixels, my podcast about gaming, where I cover all of that. And it's going to be a, a super fun time. Uh, we'll probably do a summary in uh, DTNS Labs games that you can get on this feed. But uh, if you want more details, you can subscribe to Pixels. That would be great. Excellent. Thank you, Patrick. And also thanks to all of our patrons. DailyTechNewsShow.com slash support is where you can find out all the ways that you can support our show and help us give you the news every weekday. Uh, Patreon.com slash DTNS is where you can get a lot of exclusive content. Uh, patrons, you know you know it's good. And please, please check out our new gear. Uh, we just, uh, Roger and I just got a, a message uh, that our DTNS hats are coming. I will be wearing mine uh, as soon as I get it. DailyTechNewsShow.com slash store. We got hats, we got sweatshirts, we got t-shirts, we got mugs, you got everything there. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnico.com. We are live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. And you can find out more at dailytechnewshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Scott Johnson. Talk to you then. Bye. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.